Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Look! Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Dr. Homebrew, the first show of the new year, which was 2020. And I'm pretty excited to be here with all of you. We have a few great beers, just a few, not a whole lot. Um, I'm just kidding. We have a, a couple good beers here to drink for you tonight. Brian, what do we yeah. have? Even? What are our beers? We've got a coffee milkshake IPA. I think that's our first one of those. That ever. sounds disgusting. And an American I'm not going to lie. American Stout as well. That's something you can get behind, I think. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, I know Dan is, uh, is is our milkshake guy. And, uh, you know, no offense, Dan, but... Uh, you're not my favorite person anymore oh, man. right now. You have strong opinions about milkshake IPA, Jason? I, you didn't know that about me? It's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a new thing I'm trying to work on. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, uh, one of the guests on this show, I believe it's either Chris coming up. No, I don't think it's Chris. I think it's Christopher, <laughs> another Chris, um, sent us a bottle of Bourbon County... Uh, whatever the hell it is. Whatever the hell, Bourbon County. The hell. Oh, wow. The Bourbon County Stout? The yeah, Bourbon yeah, yeah. County. From 2017. Oh, badass. So we got a bottle Thanks, of that. All right. Um, Let's drink. That's pretty awesome. And then I brought this 2-1-A. It's a collab between Magnolia and 2-1-A. It's a cucumber and watermelon IPA. All right. That Maybe. sounds fascinating. Yeah. I thought so, too. Sully gave it to me. He's like, look, either you're going to really like it or you're going to fucking hate it. So... It's one or the other. You know, like for Strong Beer Week because they always do that Strong Beer Week thing. No, this is a while ago. I mean, it's only seven percent ABV, uh, so it's not it's not uh, terrible. Well, one thing I do I do like. I'm not sure if I like that beer or not, but I I like um, keeping my equipment uh, cleaned well and sanitized. You talking about homebrew equipment or your personal? Home- <laughs> <laughs> that too. I use exclusively. I make a paste out of PBW, PBW. and I rub it on my testicles. No, uh, thank you to Five Star Chemicals. You can go to fivestarchemicals.com to learn everything you need to do to keep your junk, whatever it is, homebrew clean junk. and sanitary. <laughs> That's right. Please do not s- attempt anything JP is, <laughs> is suggesting at all. We're doing a Manscaped live read on That's the show, That's true, too. yeah. That's, uh, no, I, I talk a lot about just other ways to use PBW, and I don't know why. I think just because you can stretch that out to numerous different... I, I, I always like something that you can buy for one application, and you can use it for others. So today in my little coffee carafe, I just shook a little PBW out. So in that, I get that, yeah. like the one pound jar, or is it the five pound? I think it's the five, five pounder, the big the, one, the, the big five pounder. Yeah. And I just, I just maybe make like a, like a fingerprint size hole, and I just basically poke a hole with my finger, and that way I can shake it out. Oh, yeah. Instead of you know scoop it or whatever, right. so I just because I use it for so much stuff because I'm not really home brewing right now, um, so I just sprinkled a little bit, added some hot water in my craft, clean yep. that right up, man. Sat o- sat over uh, all day basically. And it's uh, it's good stuff. I love that PBW man. Love that Joker. Hey, okay, mm. well let's get um, let's get Dan, Dan on the line, huh? All right. Hopefully he's not listening. It was like you hated my beer. Mm. Like, I don't even have it yet, dude. No. What's happening? We also need his beer. There we Whoa. go. Hello. There we go. Do, do, do. 
There we go. This is United States calling. Are we yeah. reaching? Hey, Dan. Susan keeps hanging up. Dan, are you oh. there? Hello. I hear him. There's a problem with your microphone. Connect to another microphone. Oh. And, that's and a man update answer. your audio drivers or try restarting your computer. Well, that's cool. What the? F- Can he hear us? No? No. No. Oh, man. Hello. Hi. We can't hear you. We can hear you, but you can't hear us. Yeah. Well, uh, well I know you can't hear us, but we'll call you back. Uh, d- do me a favor, Brian. Yeah. NiceCast is not optimized for your Mac and needs to be updated. This app will not work with you. Oh, my God. Everything's happening. Mm. I don't know what's going on. This uh, studio 20s, has gremlins, man. dude. The 20s. It's like the year year 2020K. Uh, All right. Yeah. Same. But both of the cameras I have for other Brian. Shar <laughs> <laughs> huh. Brian, not Cooper Brian. Yeah. Both okay. of them are not working right now. They it were rebelled working fine. At my visage. Okay. It just five didn't minutes ago. Out. Yeah, uh, it's it's why why twenty k or whatever that would be right it's now. Something, man. All yeah. right, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and see if the gremlins in the studio uh, will allow me to work. And if not, then I think we have to go home, yeah. which would suck for everybody involved, mm. except for probably Brian Sharp. We'll just teleport the. Uh, you can figure out those things. I mean, just teleport the entrance right into the studio. That's that, right. They teleported some particles into outer space, dude. They did? Yeah, dude. When? They're working on quantum Why wasn't I notified of particles? I think it was the, the, the quantum. <laughs> they teleported the information. Like a photon. The, you know, yeah. Photon. yeah. So like a, you know, a one or a zero, I guess. Mm. You can have the quantum entanglement and you use the Einstein-Podolsky-Rosen wave to uh, instantaneously yeah. think, transmit information about quantum states, but that's a different, different podcast. I think it works like 30 <laughs> times out of like 6 billion or something. But it would take so. a patent lawyer to explain it all. I'm still trying to figure Dan, out. Dan, Dan are you there? A lawyer to explain anything. Dan, are you there? Dan can't hear us? Dan. Dan, 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 Dan. Fuck. Ugh, my life is the worst life. Okay, we're taking a break. JP's going to curse up Storm, and we'll be right back. Ma'am, I'll need to take your top off for this examination. Oh, doctor. All right, everybody, thanks for sticking with us. I apologize about that, but I think everything is, uh, well, most things are, are figured out. We have Dan finally on the phone. Dan, are you there? I am here. Oh, yeah. thank hey. God. I'm, nice. I apologize, man. Thanks for... Uh, I know it's late where you are, and the last thing you want to do is get crank called by us. <laughs> no, we're all good. <laughs> all right, so we have a coffee milkshake IPA, and, and I, I have to ask why. Um, <laughs> Why'd I brew it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What were you thinking? What was how, the inspiration? How high were you? <laughs> I was uh, completely sober and had nothing in my system. It actually came from, I went up to Pennsylvania to visit some friends, and one of the breweries up there had it, and it was the most fantastic beer I ever had. Really? And wow. I figured I need to try to recreate it in North Carolina. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, is this your first stab at the uh, at the recipe? It was, yeah. I've done a couple other milkshakes before. Like in the summer, I did a mango peach version, but this is the first coffee version I did. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I like the uh, uh, Red Card Brewery label on that there. Is that your, your personal brewery? Yeah, it's my my wife designed the logo. It's just cool. my homebrew name, I guess. And, and then Brian has a question he wants to ask you. <laughs> I wonder what it is. What question was? 
this? Oh, uh, yes, sir, sir. <laughs> we haven't done this for so long, and it's 2020, and Brian's forgot how to asked be to be like, he's even mouthing the words like, you're going to ask him what club he's in. Uh, what homebrew club are you in? Or are you in a club at all? I am, I am a lone wolf. I'm not in any homebrew club. So lone you're one of those wolf. guys on a watch list from the uh, AHA or something then? <laughs> All right. Awesome. I have a question for you, Dan. Should we roll the bottle? (laughs) Uh, No, you do not have to. It's not a Hefeweizen, man. Wait, is is that a thing with milkshake IPAs, or are you just fucking with them? By proxy messing with me, too, because... There's a reason for my question. We'll get into that later. Okay. Okay. Well, let's do that. So this is your first stab at it. And uh, what was the brewery's name? Uh, that you got this yeah, idea we're called from Breaker Brewing Company in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Breaker Brewing Company. Okay, I love Breaker, it. Breaker, yep. Brian is uh, pouring the beers now. Extra Here, large pass- helping for you, JP. Oh, I'm passing that right over to Brian Shar. <laughs> Extra small helping for you with all these. Thank you very much, uh, Brian Shar. Why don't you go ahead and start us out, please? All right. Uh, yes, I'd be happy to. This is only the, the second milkshake uh, IPA I've ever had. I had a uh, pistachio milkshake IPA at Northern California Homebrew Festival. Mm. Gosh, was it a uh, year before last? Someone from, uh, I think, Hetch Hetchy Hopheads had brewed it, and it was really, uh, I think, a good introduction to that uh, that style. Uh, but neither here nor there for, uh, for this one. Uh, aroma. And keep in mind, we just poured this one here, but the score sheet is a, for a, a different bottle that I had judged uh, a little earlier today. And if you give me just a second. And when we we'll right, sample. That's pretty similar to what uh, the one I had earlier. So uh, the uh, aroma, the coffee jumps out just as soon as this beer is poured. In fact, when I was pouring this uh, at my, my home earlier, uh, just pouring it into the glass, having my nose like two feet away. It's like, wow, that's coffee. Uh, so the coffee really jumps out at you, which which is nice. Uh, it dominates the aroma. There's uh, some green pepper vegetal that uh, is pretty common uh, to be associated with coffee. Uh, was also uh, present kind of a medium level. Uh, the downside of the coffee being so prominent was that I didn't really get any hop or malt aroma, uh, though off aromas either, uh, but it's, it's just coffee dominant. And for any any variety of IPA, milkshake, or hazy or whatever, hop aroma is going to be required, at least at a low level, and it just, just didn't get the hop aroma. So I gave that 6 out of 12 for aroma. Uh, appearance, uh, large head, uh, it's off-white and very persistent. Uh, there's some haze from hops. Uh, I wouldn't call it a hazy beer. The sample that, you know, we're all just kind of looking at it and pointing. The sample that we uh, just got poured actually has some quite large uh, floaties in here. Uh, so I think it was the genesis of Brian's question, and we can, uh, uh, you can chat about that when it's it's his time. I look like little hop leaves or something in there to me. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna guess, and we'll talk about your recipe later. I'm gonna guess you dry hopped with uh, with whole cone hops. Uh, colors medium gold. Appearance three out of three. Flavor uh, just like the aroma. Initially, the flavor is coffee. Uh, coffee dominates all the way through the beginning, uh, mid palate, and finish. Uh, and the finish is actually remarkably short. Uh, I was kind of surprised about that. Uh, it's this beer is really well attenuated, uh, which I really like, but the downside of high attenuation can be a finish that's just done almost immediately. Uh, and that's kind of what I think this, this beer has. 
Uh, medium bitterness, I get no hop flavor, uh, low malt flavor uh, that kind of comes out as it warms. Uh, balance is to coffee all the way through. And what I, I didn't perceive at all was any uh, sweetness or lactose or what have you. My, you know, admittedly, I don't have a huge amount of experience with the milkshake IPAs, but one of the distinguishing factors of the milkshake IPA is the use of lactose or some other uh, non-fermentable sweetener to give you kind of that unfermented, uh, not, well, it's unfermented is the wrong word, to give you some sweetness that doesn't ferment out. So flavor, uh, gave it a 10. Uh, Mouthfeel, this beer had medium body, low carbonation, uh, really no uh, warming. Uh, it lacked the creaminess uh, expected from a milkshake IPA. I mean, this is partly why you have the, the lactose or maybe some other ingredients are going to give you that smooth, creamy mouthfeel, and that was just, just lacking here. Yeah, I was missing that. Those basically what I noticed the for, right out of the jump is yeah. it was dry and not very um, soft and, and um, you know, creamy, I guess, like, like, right. those, like those beers are supposed to be. Exactly. To- totally agree. Uh, no astringency, which was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, three out of five for mouthfeel. Uh, overall impression, I think this is a flavorful beer with excellent attenuation. It's well fermented, uh, but it's lacking both the hop flavor and aroma that an IPA needs and the creaminess and sweetness needed for the milkshake uh, uh, version. Uh, I would definitely brew this again, especially if you like this style, and if you had the one at uh, Breaker that was your favorite beer you've ever had, definitely do it again. But I would back off, gosh, probably 30% uh, on the coffee, uh, add some more aroma and flavor hops, and uh, add uh, definitely add some more lactose next time. Mm-hmm. Maybe even something like little oats, something like that to give you maybe some of the, the mouthfeel. Uh, like like a milkshake, but I think this is uh, you know well well done trying something that's really kind of difficult and the, uh, as much as people talk about it, people haven't. I, I've rarely encountered a homebrew example of a milkshake IPA. So good on you for trying something different and complex. Uh, I gave this twenty seven uh, total, uh, which is a uh, which is a good score. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go, Brian. What do you think? Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah. So when I cracked the bottle, this one uh, it actually started creeping up into the neck a little bit more. There might be some. I don't remember that happening when I judged the one last night, but uh, it didn't happen to mine. It didn't happen to yeah to mine last night, but this one was creeping up into the neck a bit. Um, I think the the first one I opened had a little tape around the the cap too, maybe to try to keep oxygen out. I don't know if that's gonna do that. I appreciated <laughs> uh, the creativity. It's, it's creative, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, if oxygen's gonna get in there, I think it'll pass through the. The tape. I'm, I don't know what the... Yeah, it was electrical the, tape, so you never electrical know. Electrical tape. Maybe it would protect it a little bit. I'm not sure. Hmm. The, there are some brewers that take paranoia to a whole new level, and I, mm. I, I kind of worry about things like that too much myself sometimes. I'll like, get do paranoid weird you know, rituals as I'm brewing or whatever. Mm. But, um, anyway, um, a nice-looking bottle, and it had a nice hiss when it opened up. Uh, it was, um, again, in the nose, yeah. You know, just low kind of malt and hops uh behind a big green pepper note up front uh from the coffee it's a kind of a sharper coffee aroma as brian uh mentioned um hops are low just a little kind of fruity hop in there maybe um not particularly well a little citrusy perhaps but uh 
you know, um, I'm not getting anything specific like tropically or or mango or anything. It's just kind of a little lime or a little, you know, generic citrus. Um, you know, maybe even a little earthy kind of. It's hard to detect because um, it's hiding behind that um, that coffee there. There's no um, – in the nose too, I, I was looking for a hint of something sweet because I'm thinking milkshake. I want a little sweetness in the nose. Uh, I'm not getting anything that's hinting at sweetness. Um but uh, seemed fairly clean. There was no DMS or diacetyl. Um, but yeah, just kind of missed the style for, you know, should definitely have some hops in there. Uh, esters are kind of low. It's not a super fruity beer. Um, and, you know, these beers are known for being juicy and kind of, okay. It was like, well, that wasn't quite what I was expecting. But it does not smell bad at all, I would say. It's uh, appearance-wise, I I found just a slight haze and I, I, I was expecting more haze um and the beer is kind of golden colored um has a low whitish head that sticks around fairly well uh with mostly finer bubbles but um yeah i was looking for a little bit more haze it's not um milkshakey looking i mean some of those milkshake beers can just look like a milkshake <laughs> and uh yeah I, I like likewise have not had extensive experience with them i don't really seek them out but um i would expect it just to be a little more you know thick with haze uh, flavor wise as expected that that coffee comes right out it's kind of a biting green pepper like coffee impression dominating the beer um, I believe a green pepper would be kind of a phenolic flavor um, I suppose you get some phenolic from the hops too but I'm, I'm not getting much hop in here um, just that that green pepper dominates the sweetness is low I, I likewise wanted higher um, kind of medium low bitterness, um, and it's definitely it seems I would say balanced to the to the malt, if not you know to the coffee as Brian said. Um, but yeah, just if if you're going going malt to hops, it, it seems maltier than hoppier. Um, almost no obvious hop notes, and they may have faded. I don't I'm not sure you know the age on this beer when it was uh, packaged, but um, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, we are in a new year here and. Some might have been floating around for a while here, but um, the malt is a lightly sweet kind of bread-like component. And I guess it finishes semi-sweet, but it 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 falls far short of what I would expect from the um, you know a lactose-filled uh, milkshake IPA, and um, needs more hops as well. So mouthfeel-wise, medium-bodied, medium-low carbonation, no obvious warmth, no astringency. Uh, but it's a bit biting nonetheless, probably from that phenolic pepperiness in there. Just a little bit of a bite and some harshness to it. Um, all the same, it's a drinkable beer with a few, you know, few actual flaws or defects. It's just the way that coffee is expressing itself is a it's it's too high compared to the base style, and and b it's coming across uh, more harsh. And we'll let JP talk about coffee additions and how to do all. <laughs> I am the expert. How to do that proper, oh, properly? Sure. We always rely on him for that. <clears throat> uh, what'd you give it? Um, I gave it a twenty six. I think okay. it might be either too aged or the hops have just faded out. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm having trouble getting to milkshake IPA with this. Yeah, it's an interesting interesting beer nonetheless. So just mostly missed the style. The 26 is not because of major flaws. Yeah, so I, really, I agree. Try, try again. Yeah, not to put a fine point on it, but I also got a real harsh bitterness out of it too. Like it's an aggressive bitter, and I think these beers aren't supposed to have that. So I feel like either something was lost in translation, or uh, you know Dan was taking a good stab, and I think he got most of the way there. So I think it's coffee bitterness. Let's talk about him like yeah. he's not here, Dan. <laughs> 
<laughs> What's going on, man? Um, yep. You want to run through the recipe real fast, and then we'll get to some questions sure. and all that kind of stuff. Thanks. Yeah, the recipe was uh, 35% two-row, uh, 26% Maris Otter, uh, 13% honey, um, 9% lactose, which turned out to be two pounds, two, uh, 9% of flaked oats, and 9% of flaked wheat as well. And then the hop additions were uh, an ounce of Northern Brewer at 60, two ounces of Cascade at 60, uh, three ounces of Northern Brewer at 10 minutes, two ounces of Cascade at five minutes, and then an ounce each of Northern Brewer and Cascade at Flame Out. Where did you get that recipe from? Uh, I kind of built it myself. The problem was those weren't the hops I wanted to use. I wanted to use Cascade and... I think Citra and Simcoe, but yeah. my local homebrew shop didn't have either of those, so they <laughs> yeah. just substituted Northern Brewer on me. Yeah, because um, th- that's that's one th- two things that stand out to me. One is the the honey. I think you can kill the honey out of that. Honey is just going to dry out. It's going to dry it out. Yeah, yeah um, it's going to fight against that lactose. Right. And then right. and then part of these milkshake. So here, actually, let me ask a question: Is milkshake the sure. same as New England IPA? Is it any IPA and milkshake IPA are these technically the same? What, what's the differentiation? Because I, I don't actually really know. Yeah, do we know that uh, in thirty seconds uh, or less? Milkshake's going to rely more heavily on the the lactose and. Uh, and try to give the impression of a, a thick, chewy, kind of milkshakey mm-hmm. take on beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's also beers that taste like kind of creamsicles, where they go with the really fruity direction, and or, you know, okay. like because uh, like that's what I think of in any IPA. So, beers, so yeah. it's basically well, any IPA is going to be quote juicy, and it's not necessarily going to be creamy. It's going to have to be a silky okay. mouthfeel, but it's not the idea. You know, just like, like Brian was saying, it's going to lack the lactose. Okay. Uh, and maybe the body. Yeah. And, well, and it, a milkshake doesn't have to be hazy. I don't believe. I think it, it does. Is. I think that's part of it. I don't know. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not yeah, in the guidelines. Has, yeah. Yeah. I think it needs to be a little bit hazy. There's there's yeah. no guideline for a milkshake IPA, but there is. You know, they they have a, a tentative one for for New England IPA. But okay. I think well, milkshake they they can use. Um, Vanilla, and they can create. Uh, they want to create kind of creamy, full-bodied texture like a milkshake. Okay. Sort of thing. So, and what's, um, what's interesting and is bold, you've bold so opacity. The first thing was the honey. Like I said, it was going to dry. But second is is the hops. I think the hops play a big part. A big part in these style of beers. So yeah. And I know you said that the, your your homebrew shop didn't have it, and that's totally fine. I've I've messed around with recipes before where the hops weren't really the the ones I wanted to use, but I just was focusing on the grain bill anyways. But I think for this beer. You know, I think uh, maybe you should have waited for the the juicier ones, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, you, right. You mentioned Northern Brewer, and I totally get that now because mm-hmm. it just blends uh, with the coffee so much. It definitely would, right? Because the tannin, the sort of a woody, you know, feel, and I think would it right. accentuate some of those coffee tans. Let's talk about your coffee real fast. How did you do that? What I did was I took four ounces of an organic. Um, what brand was it? It's Jim's uh, Witch's Brew Organic Coffee, and I coarse ground it up and then just added it to the fermenter for 24 hours mm-hmm. okay. after a cold crash. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what uh, roast it was? Like what? what it was know. a dark roast. It was a dark roast. I would not have guessed a dark roast on that. Because typically for me, like the lighter roast coffees give that kind of green pepper thing. So... um and I know a lot of people have had success with the coarse ground 
you know, adding the, the, the grounds to it. I never did. I just make a, I would make a double strength, you know, uh, batch of coffee. Cold brew or? Yeah, or, cold brew and yeah. then just pour it in. That, but that's, gotcha. that's, um, keep the grounds out of the beer. Yeah. And that's typically was going to be my, my like go to answer. But on the session specifically, the past couple of years, we've had a few breweries that do coffee additions different ways and they all come out really, really good. So, you know, who, who can really say, but try making a, a batch of cold brew with that, like double strength concentrate, um, and adding it in next time or make a little tincture so you can, you can add it in and try your coffee additions uh, different ways so you can get rid of that, uh, that green pepper. Cause uh, it, it does sort of distract from any hop aroma you might've had. Mm-hmm. Okay. Were there dry hops? Did you mention any dry hops? No, there was no dry hops. In right. The so, yeah, the other thing I would say, too, is you had a lot of bittering hops, and a lot of these, the New England IPAs will rely on solely uh, Whirlpool additions and beyond, so um, not even adding any hops to the 60-minute boil. Um, if any, just a, a pellet or something to you know help with the hot break. But it's, you know, beyond that, it's just um, going for aroma only, and, and you get some bitterness out of that, too, you know, in a whirlpool you'll get a little bit of alpha acid conversion but it's it's minimal and it keeps it soft keeps it um you know um yeah under control and less less bitter than this this one is uh i think that Mm. yeah some of the bitterness is coming from the hops and not not just the the coffee um what about water did you do any uh chloride additions or any water treatment what's your do you know what you're saying i did not yet the okay. only thing I've just started getting into the water chemistry side. Yeah. The only thing I did was run it through a charcoal filter. Right. Okay. It's just regular um, city water from my regular city water. City, okay. uh, so it's probably more of a sulfate yeah. heavy um, water mix, and and to soften up these beers, a lot of times what they do is go for like a two to one chloride to sulfate uh, ratio. Uh, so if you're, okay. you know, just do the water math, and if your your sulfate's at thirty five, you know, go for sixty something with the chlorides, and the chlorides just accent the malt smoothness and 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 richness, and kind of play off the hops a little bit too. I think they just let the hops shine without being harsh and biting. Whereas if you have a really sulfate heavy water or a Burtonized water, um, the hop bitterness plays a lot differently, more like an English pale ale kind of a, you know, a crisper, rougher bite to them. So. Yeah, work with the water chemistry too, and that's that's another trick they use. There's some good articles about brewing these things out there, and and talk to the brewery. Sometimes they're pretty open about you know um, sharing some of their their fun little secrets or what they do. And, Absolutely, and yeah. A lot of times you get a lot of good info there. You. Quick question: do you think about age would have anything to do with this too? Because it was brewed on yeah. December 29th. Mm. Yeah, are you are you tasting one with us now by chance? Some or? of it. <laughs> no, I actually yeah. ran out of it. Yeah, yeah. All my yeah. friends drank it on me. <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit, but what do you think? Ten percent, twenty percent, September. Maybe? Yeah, it's not that far away. Well, yeah, I mean these these are are you want to worry more about freshness with these than than with other beers if yeah. you drink it within the first one to one and a half months. It's going to taste a lot better than it will three months down the road. So yeah, that we, could very well be detracting to it, in my opinion. You got to try it again because honestly, Dan, before the show started, actually when the show started. Um, you know, I was told that it was a coffee milkshake IPA, and I threw up in my hat. Um, but drinking it, drinking what you have, it's it's actually a combination that I I, I can understand now. I, I can I can understand how that would work. So I, I really kind of want you to brew it again and send it in because I want to I want to taste how this how this works. 
because mm-hmm. I see it. Okay. I see it, and I want to be wrong, which is I've never said that before. Yeah. So you did, you did um, good with the oats and the wheats. I yeah. Would, yeah. Again, I would drop the honey and the, the early hop additions and just dump everything mm-hmm. into the last, you know, <laughs> in the whirlpool. Yeah, change yeah. it up a little bit. Uh, do you have any questions for the guys, Dan? Anything you uh, want to get no, over? No, I think we're good. Okay. You guys answered everything I had. Hell yeah. All right. That's what we like to hear. Well, thanks for sharing. It's, it's a fun beer to try. At, yeah. And I find these beers to be challenging, too. You know, it takes a couple tries sometimes to get them, get them right. And uh, my wife loves the hazy beers, but, you know, I'm still working on getting one to her, to her, her particular taste. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just give me the field work. Give me the this. Uh, yeah. In house. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. And, yeah, let us know for sure when you take another stab at it. Perfect. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. See ya. Thanks. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about is yeast, did we? He didn't mention yeast. Hmm. We didn't talk about it. Oh, shoot. No. Damn Call it. him back. Oh, well, yeah. Hey, Dan, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm done talking to you guys. All right. We're going to take another break, everybody, which is my favorite segment of the show. And we're going to get Chris on the line, and he's going to tell us about his American Stout, which I love American Stouts, baby. I'm on the uh, Stout hype train. I've been buying Sierra Nevada Stout. Because that is out now, and uh, it's very delicious. Is that yeah. out at, like, the, the local retailers now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. No, I love Sierra Nevada Stout. No plug needed, baby. I haven't bought that at, like, the Safeway for, like, 20 years, man. I remember getting that at, like, the Safeway in Huntington Beach in the 90s. Yeah, it's good stuff. Man. All right, everybody. Uh, hang on. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Homebrew. Don't go anywhere because we can't either. Mm. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up. You might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. Now serving patient number 189. Number 189 to the counter, please. Now back to Dr. Homebrew. 
All right, everybody, thanks for sticking with us. This is Dr. Homebrew, and uh, what I should have done during the break, and I did not, is uh, dial up Chris, but I'm going to do that right now. Um, and you said, Brian, that we got the answer on the on the yeast. Yeah, he on used Dan's the, last, um, uh, the safe L04. That's 04, the English ale yeast. So. Okay. See, that's what I don't understand. Uh, should it have been like a more New England IPA st- uh, uh, b- 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 yeast? Or, yeah, I mean, a lot of people use the London 3 or the Fog or, or uh, yeah. Uh, should it know, be barbarian. that? Because Cal- I think SF04 oh, uh, SF is, what is that? It's an English Is it 04 English? Yeast, okay. Yeah. So it's a little malty, but still we'll we'll dry it out, maybe a little bit more than you would want in a beer light. Anyway, yeah. we're moving on here. Chris, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How's it going, guys? Hey, hey. good, man. How you doing? doing? Good. good, thanks. Awesome. Well, we have an American stout. Uh, I'm really excited for this. I was telling the boys, uh, I love me some stouts. I'm, I'm, I'm hype for the stout beer, man. Have you brewed this beer before? Uh, I actually brewed uh, some sweet stouts in the past, and I've never done American stout, so I figured, why not give a shot? Cool. Any particular American stout that inspires you or you wanted to emulate? Uh, no, I actually kind of just took uh, my base recipe of the sweet stout and then kind of read the uh, style guidelines and try to make an actual American stout, so I wasn't really trying to go after anything other than just kind of the flavor profile and what the, the style guidelines said, so kind of just took it from there. Nice. De-sweetened it. <laughs> Yanked out yeah, the lactose. Much, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a little bit. Oh, thanks, Brian. All right, we're pouring it off here a little bit. Here, let me, let me hand that to Brian Shar And Brian Cooper, why don't you start us out, please, young man? All right. Um, thank you. Yes. Um, a nice this when we opened it up. Uh, it's a pleasant, rich uh, maltiness to it um, with a pretty big roast up front and a light chocolate. Um, nose below that, a low citrusy hop, I would say, kind of out of the way, but appropriate level. These can have a little bit of hop to them. Um, medium low fruity esters, um, kind of dark fruits, not very intense at all, though. Um, and it's somewhat coffee-like in here. It's just kind of clean and, and inviting. Um, but I also found kind of some hints of a little bit of like charcoal, a little, little, um, sharper ashiness. Mm. Not super intense in the nose. Um, in the appearance, very dark brown beer, uh, brownish black pretty much, and nearly opaque. Um, seems clear at the corners, though. You can actually see some some little uh, garnet highlights uh, if you kind of put it up to the light. Uh, mostly fine, creamy-looking foam stand. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of looks like it should, so I gave it a uh, 3 out of 3 for appearance. Um, getting into the flavor... Very bold, roasty, uh, massive malt uh, with a somewhat of ashy, biting note. Um, getting bitter chocolate and coffee. Uh, low hop bitterness. Uh, the beer seems cleanly fermented, so you know, nicely done there. It's definitely balanced to the malt and that those roasty malts, especially. Um, it has a smoky charcoal-like character that's lingering into the aftertaste. That to me is, is detracting a little bit. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it's in the territory for American Stabs, just a, a little too big and bold uh, for what you expect there. And um, uh, mouthfeel-wise, medium-bodied, medium medium-carbonation, a bit of a biting astringency from the darkest malts. Um, it's just not very smooth or creamy. Um, and uh, there's some you know, hints of a little alcohol warmth there, possibly, you know, up there in the alcohol, but not super strong. 
Like um, me. Yeah. Not super strong like me. But, you know, it lets you know there's a little alcohol there. It's not a, not a wimpy beer. Not, um, overall, it's just a, it's a very tasty and, and very big stout. But um, I would say you just need to uh, back off of that roast and, and some of the other darkest grains um, a fair amount here or um, or else just go big and imperialize it. It's a very, you know, <laughs> it's a good base and you, you brewed it cleanly and brewed it well. I could see this standing up to more alcohol without adding a lot more um, roast or anything, um, but um, you know, it's it's um, kind of a fun beer to taste. Uh, it could stand up, to, yeah, to a lot a lot more uh, alcohol, and uh, you know, uh, you'd have to just, of course, use more yeast too if you went that <laughs> went that direction. Added more more base malts, and, or you know, got it up there uh, gravity wise. Yeah. That's where I would suggest going with this one, just because it's so rich and so strong, it could stand up to that. But if you want to turn it into American Stout, um, yeah, definitely back off those. I think your hops are in a decent place. Everything else is decent. It's just that that roast is super sharp. And um, watch out also for your um, your mash pH and for over sparging. If you know if you're doing all grain, you want to be really careful not to um, have all those acidic grains uh, drag your. Uh, your pH, pH out of way down and, and uh, you know, just extract the harsh tannins that you can get from some of those deep, richest malts. But so, yeah, yeah um, nicely what, brewed and nicely fermented, it seems like. And uh, what do you, you know, give it? I give it a 31. Nice. All right. Brian Char. Yeah, I love American Stout. This is one of my, my favorite styles. And I, uh, I, Typically, I didn't didn't do it this past year, but I, I'll do a uh, Christmas stout typically every year, mm-hmm. which is an American stout. So I've done this a lot, and I've like encountered some of the pitfalls uh, in, in years past. You can you can do when you're brewing this. Yeah, I, uh, I will say that that as a, a novice home brewer, novice is when you're dumb, right? <laughs> um, as a novice home brewer, like people tell you, oh, just if you can't really do anything, brew a dark beer. Brew a stout or a porter. They're much right. easier to deal with than like a pale ale or an IPA, and that is not true. They're equally as challenging, if not more challenging, because you have more ingredients that can stick out a little bit if you've yeah. got to go overboard or whatever. So it's not easy. There's a lot to hide behind, but yeah. You can, There's a lot you, to hide behind, and that's why, because at yeah. Morbury, that's what we would always recommend. Just make a stout or a porter for your first beer, because you can hide a lot of your fermentation issues. And you can, but when you're building mm-hmm. recipes... It's, that doesn't really doesn't really exist. Yeah, and right. well, I'll, I'll I'll play along with our derail here for a second, and mm-hmm. I, I agree with that when you're making a traditional like English stout, mm-hmm. because there's not much. It's English ale yeast. It's supposed to be fruity, so mm-hmm. it plays to the fact that beginning home brewers don't have temp control. Yeah, uh, there's not a lot of hops, uh, and what hops there are are your Fuggles, yeast, EKG uh, stuff like that that goes with the dark malt that they've. They've learned from hundreds of years of experience. Uh, but some of the issues you can have with an American American stout is much more challenging, I think. Mm-hmm. And part of it comes from the fact that dark malt and hops, and specifically roast malt and some hops, do not play well together. Right. In my experience, none of the sea hops work with roasted malt. I you know, Centennial, Cascade, uh, Columbus. Yeah, I have terrible, and Brian's looking at me like I'm I'm high. But you know, no, as far as he knows, I don't know. But I it's, think that's uh, just his look. He has I resting know. high face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, early, I liked hoppy beers, and then early in my brewing career, I wanted to make a stout, and I just said, "Well, what if we hop it up? Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. let's make it really hoppy too, yeah. and see what that tastes like." Bad idea. Yeah, and I, I've had like you know, year a lot of practice, sort of fine tuning. Like I'll just 
my my American stout, I tend to go heavy on the chocolate and pale chocolate malts. And I just keep kind of making it more like the chocolate as the years go by. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've tended to land on like the nugget type hops. Uh, avoid the sea hops. I haven't played mm-hmm. with some of the newer school, you know, New Zealand, quote, tropical fruity hops. Uh, but I, you know, yeah. you're, you're, it's going to require a lot more experimentation when you're designing a recipe for American Stout when you're trying to pick out a hop flavor and aroma because so many of those hop flavors do not go with roast flavor. Yeah, yeah. I think the resiny bite um, kind of fights against or clashes with that cocoa-y and, and roasty yeah. bite. You know, it's too much. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. All right, Brian. So talking specifically about this beer... Uh, aroma, uh, definitely get a lot of uh, dark malt, roast malt uh, at a high level. I got kind of a medium level of floral hops, uh, no diacetyl or off aromas. Uh, I did get a slight rubber character. And kind of going to just to my point, this to me is something that you get with some – when we get to your recipe, I'll be curious what hops you used – that kind of a little bit of a tire hint of a tire rubber type yeah. of character comes from like it, it, hops and roast not playing well together, and that that to me is kind of a byproduct of, of hop selection with with roast and, and kind of and I'll, I'll hold off on that comment to the overall impression. Still, I gave it nine out of twelve for aroma. I thought it was was nicely done. Uh, appearance three of three head is dark brown and persistent uh, excellent clarity to the extent you can tell in such a dark beer uh, colors dark brown if you hold it up to the light other it's if you casually look at this beer it's it's black like a stout should be so well done uh, flavor uh, initial flavor is dark malt and roast malt uh, with some uh, hot bitterness just immediately almost aggressive at a high level. Uh, yeah, and I'm not getting that quite so much in this sample. Okay, I but I still, a... I still get it. Actually, I still get that quite a bit. It was maybe a little more aggressive in the bottle I had at home, but it's almost an aggressive bitterness uh, at a very high level. It's I, a bitter chocolate and coffee coming through. Yeah, exactly. I get a little bit of the. A, a little bit of a rubber taste, very low, not as much as like I would get that in the aroma. But there's a little bit of that there. Again, I believe that's an interaction of the hops and the roast malt. Uh, very well attenuated. Uh, I really love oh, the yeah. attenuation on this beer. It's very dry. Uh, finish is long and uh, balanced toward bitterness and roast. Uh, you know, so 12 out of 20 for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel... Uh, is get a medium warming uh, body is medium, uh, low carbonation, not really as creamy as you might want a stout to be. But this is an American and not a British stout. I don't think it has to be creamy. I get a slight astringency, and it may simply be uh, not. It may not be astringency. It may just be kind of a byproduct of the very high bitterness and the roast malt that gives a perception of astringency. And I, I don't think it's the I, I kind of wrestled with this because astringency is a very specific mouthfeel term that is different from uh, a perception of a lot of roast or a perception of a lot of bitterness. But still, I got a perception of a slight astringency from this beer. These beers can have a little bit of roast-derived astringency, but it shouldn't be too much. You got to be keep it right. restrained. I'd say this right. is a little too much. Yeah, yeah I, I that's I. I 
Thanks for helping me out there, Brian. Uh, but uh, I got four out of five uh, for mouthfeel. Overall impression, I gave it a seven. Uh, it's a clean beer. It's well attenuated, excellent fermentation. Uh, but I think, as I was talking about earlier, hop choices in a dark beer with a lot of roast malt are really hard. And they require a lot of experimentation to just figure out what works. Uh, you know, it's not even the com- – what I was talking about before is the varietal in combination with the roast malt. It's the fact that the roast malt has a bitterness to it on its own that you know, it, when you're building a recipe, that roast malt doesn't get there, – there's no IBUs associated with it, but it does give you a perception of bitterness – and I think if you bitter the beer in accordance just with what, you know, ProMash or uh, uh, Beersmith or one of the, the calculators will tell you, you'll get an IBU level that's in the range for the style, but it may not – the beer overall may end up having a perception of bitterness that's higher than you might want. And I think sure. that's kind of where we are uh, right right here with this one. Okay. Uh I would back off on the uh, uh, the bittering hops. I'd back off a little bit on the roast malt. Uh, I would, you know, just because it's what I I do. I, I love some chocolate, pale chocolate malt in these. Maybe uh, I'll be curious if there's already some in there. Pale chocolate's uh, the only chocolate malt you should ever use in your entire life. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. I'm I, going on record. I disagree with that, but not strongly. Well, that's okay. You're wrong. <laughs> Uh, and you, I would, you know, kind of, I would play with hop varieties. But you know, I, I think overall, it's it's a good beer. Uh, I gave it a score of thirty five, which is in the very good range. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Fair. I'm I'm sitting here drinking it. You know, it's got a couple of minor issues, but it's it's I call this a very good beer. It's clean. I, yeah, you know. yeah. I would I would give it a thirty six. I don't normally judge beers, but I really like this beer. But when you do, but when I do, I give them thirty sixes. <laughs> um, I mean, not, I'm not gonna again put a fine point on it, but I mean, the head is amazing. It is, yeah. So the I think it's a, really, really it's a very, very well-made beer. Um, but yeah, like the guys are saying, and, and you probably know, there's there's a little bit of a recipe issue. I think it's, it's just a little too aggressive. And maybe that's why I don't like American stouts so much, because they tend to sort of be on the aggressive side with the roasted malts, and that's why my like oatmeal stout never really does super well beyond a 36 or a 38 in competition, because yeah. it doesn't have any roast, and that's what I that's what I like about it. I don't really like stouts with a lot of roast. But this is pokey and edgy a little bit. Yeah. So if you can rain that down a tad, because there is that that burnt rubber. It's almost like when someone peels out on their tires. It's like smoking yes, rubber. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I th- I think that is more tied to the roast malt than anything. So yeah, yeah. that's we're, that's we're, my uh, repetition of what everybody else yeah. said. We're all scoring it in the very good range of thirty yeah. to thirty-seven. Uh, no, I think yeah. it's a great. I think it's so it's you, very good, Chris. Thank you, you for sharing. The next one is just mostly just balanced stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. there's some easy. I think there's some easy paths here to getting this to forty plus for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, uh, um, what's the recipe? All right, well that's good. Um, it's it's kind of funny. You guys nailed a lot of pretty much the recipe in itself. So well, we're professionals. Um, Two, two and a half gallon batch. Um, I do have the Pico Brew, uh, the Cymatic. Oh wow! Uh, nice. So I did. Um, so I did seven and a half pounds of Maris Hotter, a half pound of American roasted barley, a half pound of American Crystal Forty, and a half pound of American chocolate uh, malt. I didn't do the uh, pale chocolate. Sorry, JP. You um, got to do it, man. <laughs> I couldn't find it. I know. I, mean, I got to try it out. That British um, pale chocolate is a, just so smooth, man. It's so smooth. It's damn, it's so smooth. good. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely look into it. Please do. Um, and then I did, um, I single infused for 90 minutes at 152. 
Uh, I had two hop charges, one at 60 minutes of Columbus, and that was just under an ounce. And then I did my last one at five minutes left in the boil of a half ounce of Centennial. So uh, Brian Char pretty much nailed it um, uh, with the hops there. So I was really, and I taste the rubberness. I didn't know what that what I was tasting, but I was like, there's something weird about it. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just chalked it up to the the roasted barley and the chocolate. Maybe I had too much. I'm still learning the pico brew, so I thought maybe um, I did something um, like you know with the circulation and all that. Maybe that brought up some astringency. I wasn't really too sure. Yeah. Um, well, you had uh, in, my, uh, in, I used. To, sorry, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll save my my John for the lace for the uh, afterwards. Go ahead. Sorry. And then yeast I used with the WLP zero uh, ninety uh, Super San Diego yeast. Uh, fermented that under controlled fermentation at sixty four um, for uh, for ten days, and then um, I cold crashed it. And then I had some issues with my kegs, and so I had a bottle condition it and <laughs> had a few issues. So I'm actually pretty happy with what you guys told me. So yeah, uh, uh, and so I'm interested to hear what you guys would say, like based off my. Uh, my grain bill of what maybe I need to tweak of backing it off, maybe taking it by like a half a pound to a quarter pound on the barley and the chocolate. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. I mean, easily I, I would put half a pound in like five gallons yeah. or 10 gallons, but that's me. You, you know, my palate's different than yours. I would, I would for sure start with reducing that to a quarter pound Cut the, uh, yeah. or the roasted yeah, barley the and, roasted and see where you are. Cause I think that's really your sticking point. I think the chocolate's probably fine. Um, if you can get your hands on that English uh, pale chocolate, that stuff is gold. Um, Switch so that in for the that. other half of the roasted barley. You know, put a half half of yeah, because of you can mix because you can mix that American chocolate and that pale chocolate, and you can kind of layer your, your flavors. I know a lot of people making stouts still do that with crystal malt. Mm-hmm. They'll take their crystal edition and they'll break it up between like a forty and like a, a sixty or a seventy five, because you can kind of get that yeah. range of 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 sort of mouthfeel. Um, you know, mid palate flavors um, like that. So yeah. feel free to play with stuff like that. Feel free. I'm going to allow you, Chris, to <laughs> to play with your own <laughs> recipe. Um, that, that yeast dried it out quite a bit too. I think it yeah. would. Um, and there's not a lot of fruitiness there. You fermented at a fairly low temperature. I think of maybe a little more fruitiness. You could bump up the fermentation fermentation temp a little bit, and or play with a different yeast that's going to give it a little more fruitiness. I mean, stick with the American, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that San Diego kind of, you know, is made for drying out IPAs. And I don't know if for stouts it's okay, but, yeah, the, change out the hops and try something different there. I think it's a, a, workhouse, okay. a workhorse. Yeah. I'll talk yeah. to you about it. Columbus is, yeah, boy, that, yeah. Uh, that's a that's a challenging hop to use. <laughs> yeah. anyway. Columbus is so yeah. variable. I've, I'm not a fan of the danky aspect of Columbus. But Columbus either, is like honestly. Simcoe. Yeah. In that it's Columbus or, or like Summit, even more so because they're so variable depending on when they get harvested, and a lot of times the homebrew stuff that you get is kind of the the dregs that the pros don't like. So it, that, can, that can, it can that can, that can be can yeah. be an issue with Columbus. Uh, I think that I, I'm also a Pico owner. Love the Pico, 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 Pico. whatever Pico. Yeah, uh, and, you say and, Pico and though, and we laugh at you. Through the uh, the computer and slap me or something. If but, anybody um, would, she would. Do I, it. I think she would. Yeah, uh, but I I don't uh, I I don't see you. You mentioned something about the astringency maybe being from the Pico. I don't I don't see that. I I see that as being purely a recipe issue. And yeah. I like with these guys, you know, yeah, I would put maybe. 
in a 10-gallon batch of my American stout, maybe a pound of roasted barley, maybe. Right. Uh, and that's that's 10 gallons. So I think going down to like a quarter pound for two and a half. Uh, that's, that's reasonable territory. That's reasonable. In yeah. fact, I was, I've been kind of dropping it, you know, in, on like a, normalizing the 10 gallons more like going to half a pound. Because mm-hmm. you want to have a little roasted barley, a little black barley goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, and it, you can really overdo it. And I think that's that's where that interaction, especially with the Columbus and that roasted barley, uh, that I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say that's where you're getting a lot of that rubber flavor from. I agree. What's the ABV on this, Chris? Uh, just over seven percent. Um, OG was ten sixty eight, and final gravity was ten fourteen. Damn, nice. Yeah, Single beefy there. That's, that's All right. yeah. Hell yeah. Um, do you have any questions uh, for me? Preferably, no, probably, or, or maybe <laughs> the other guys too, because they might know a thing or two. Um, no, I think I'm pretty good with uh, this one. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, 7%. Yeah, I'm, 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 it kind of makes sense. It's kind of pretty straight to the point. So uh, yeah. I'm glad you guys pointed out everything that I was tasting. I just couldn't <laughs> explain it. I just didn't know like what, <laughs> what I was tasting. I think but there's just something off a little bit, and I don't know what it is. Man, so that, that's great. that is the whole premise of the show. So honestly, I'm very glad that, that we were able to do that for you and, and public sort of hone it in for you. Do you have it on the, have it on the, the public recipes shared? Uh, yes, I do. Cool. What's it? What's the name of the brew? It's called No Stout About It. No Stout About Hell It. Yeah, wow. that's so, almost uh, as our, good as Don't Pout Stout. Yeah, our Pico <laughs> Brew listeners can can go out and brew this one too, yeah. and and change it how they want. So that's right. Have some fun. All I right, finished, Chris. I finished mine. Cool. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. All right, Take we'll care. talk to you. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. Oh damn it! I didn't ask him if he was in a homebrew club. Oh, I didn't didn't ask my Brian. signature question. What am I? What's going on tonight? I don't know, man. I had to remind you the first time. I know. And... I'm just. I've. Yeah. What's this yeah. bonus beer here? What this is got? the uh, the Twenty First Amendment and Magnolia mm. collab. It's called the Pink and the Green Cucumber and Watermelon IPA. Oh. Okay. And I don't know where you can get it. I I got it in San Leandro, um, because you know I. I know the the owner of the company, so you know, tra la 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 la. Pink and the green. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, Sully was like, either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. Bev, do you want some? Okay. She said. She said no, but she's not going to get it. Cucumber or watermelon. Well, I don't know why you're going to drink this then. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. This has been uh, Doctor Homebrew. The month is January. The year is 2020. The time is now, or at least it has just passed, because uh, you just listened to the show. Hopefully by the time this uh, hits the airwaves, the world will still be intact, and big babies won't blow us all up. So that's my wish. It's kind of a waste of a show. That's right. That's my wish from me to the rest of humanity. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Happy New Year.